This is Queen Victoria. Welcome to Murder Lab, the podcast where I dissect serial killers and analyze what I find. (laughs) And that is uh, Todd the Fox doing the Dexter theme, since he knows that this episode is going to be about Dexter. So we took a little break for the holidays, but we are back now, and this is officially season three. I'm taking a sip of whiskey. Because I'm so excited about the new season of Dexter, I figured since the season ended Sunday, I decided I'm just going to go ahead and just have an episode based on the last few episodes since I've been talking about it all along the way. And I have not come out with my comics by candlelight yet, so I figure I'll just go ahead and talk about my Dexter, the Dexter comics on here, and then I can always cover them so you can see the pictures later when I start that series on the YouTubes. First, though... Before we jump into the Dexter things, I would like to mention a couple things that I discovered while I was on break. I had a coworker and my sister told me that I should check out Only Murders in the Building on Hulu, which has Steve Martin and Martin Short and Selena Gomez, as well as a host of other people. So I had been kind of passing by it like that looks, you know, I might want to look into that because I like Steve Martin and Martin Short, you know, and it's murder. So that's probably intriguing. Let me tell you, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. It's really cute. It's kind of like watching someone do Hunt a Killer for reals and like a real life hunting a killer, like doing the clues and all that. And But, you know, with interesting twists and turns and all kinds of cameos. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. So I would recommend, if you have not seen it, to watch it. And apparently they're going to have a second season. I don't know when that'll come out, but it uh, it basically, they start a podcast. So, spoiler alert. Of course, you know, I found that interesting. And you, I don't know. Just check it out. Only Murders in the Building, I believe, on Hulu. And then also, my boyfriend's sister found a game for me called Unsolved Case Files. And it's a hunt-a-killer-style game where you have three objectives. So you solve the first objective, you get to open an envelope, and it gives you, like, another clue. And you solve another objective, and then you open another envelope, it gives you a clue. And then you have this last envelope that does things. I don't remember what now. (laughs) But it was fun. I did it by myself because I don't always like to share anymore. And sometimes I want to do them in my puzzle solving on my own as you solved each objective then you went online and you had to choose which two pieces of evidence proves your theory so basically they'll just say you know like find out um, why this guy's innocent and then say two pieces of evidence that proves he's innocent so you just click the two pieces and then it says I don't know what the fuck you're talking about go back and then you can do hints if you want and then once you get the two pieces of evidence correctly then it says you're right you could open the next envelope and yada yada and then it shows you actually on the documents where it proved it like with hunt a killer the harder part is actually trying to figure out what they want you to say so (laughs) so i felt like maybe i found like three pieces of evidence that led me to come to this conclusion so then you have to figure out well what two pieces will make it are what they're wanting me to say That was actually more of a challenge than finding out what they wanted me to find out was trying to express to them (laughs) via these two pieces of evidence 
I think overall they were good about keeping it self-contained where I didn't feel like I had to look, try to look things up. And they had like hidden little things like you would find in Hunt a Killer. There weren't any ciphers or anything, which is fine. And I think it feels like it's more like, um, I don't know, family oriented, but it's, um, I don't know if it's as involved as a Hunt a Killer thing, but that's, that's okay. Not everybody wants to get into all that, but for like a one-off thing that you want to do in an evening, it's a fun little thing. And if you don't want to take hours to do something, I think it took me like an hour or an hour and a half because I started getting foggy brained and... It's a, it's a fun little adventure. It does have, they do have other, uh, mine was, I can't think of the name. It's like Harmony, Jennifer Harmony or something. So there are other ones out there that you can get and they have some more in the works. So I, I did order another one and I put it on my list, my list with my, uh, well, functionally, I guess she's basically my sister-in-law and I told her to buy me more. So now she has a supply of things that she can buy me that she knows that I'll like. That's Unsolved Case Files. It's a fun little thing. It's Hunt a Killer Light. Robert Durst died. I'm not sure if you saw that. I got a, I got my uh, New York Times email telling me. I believe he was 78. I'm looking it up real fast because I just realized I didn't. I just basically looked at it like, oh, he died. And I forwarded it to Igor because, you know, if you've been paying attention recently, we've talked about Robert Durst. He had been taken to a hospital for testing. He went into cardiac arrest and could not be revived. If you don't remember who Robert Durst is, go to murderlabmedia.com find the episode number. It's one of the recent episodes. And uh, take a listen. We uh, we talk about all that stuff. We talk about the jinx and the book baked on the jinx and, you know, all that. Now we're just going to go ahead and jump into it. Enough of the foreplay. We're jumping in on the uh, the good stuff. When I did the deep dive of Dexter and I discussed the books compared to the series, the TV series, I didn't really talk about when they came out versus each other, which I guess actually, in retrospect, well... I think they were going to do what they were going to do with the series no matter what the books did. So I guess it doesn't really matter when the books came out because after the first two, they pretty much did their own thing. But it is interesting when you line it up to see how it panned out and then to see how the comics fit into that. So I'm just going to do a quick wrap up of when the books came out versus the series and the comics. And then we'll jump into the comics. Book one came out in 2004. Book two came out in 2005. So there were two books out. And then book three came out when season one came out. So they had a few books to reference. Then 2007 season two came out. 2008 is when book four came out along with season three. 2009 season four. 2010 book five and season five. And then from 2010 to 2012, the books and seasons came out simultaneously. Well, maybe not at the exact same time, but the same year. So five, six, and seven all came out. Then 2013. A book did not come out, but the first comic came out, along with season eight. 2014, the second comic came out. And then in 2015, the final book came out. Then, as we know, 110 years later, we have Dexter New Blood. Apparently, there was also a web series, like an animated web series called Early Cuts that I just discovered on Wikipedia today that I don't know how I missed it before, but it did. And so now I'm going to have to look into that and figure that out. So we see that, the com- that he actually had these comics come out before his final book, which I think is kind of interesting. And let's delve into the comics and see what they were about so you can be interested as well. So the first set of Dexter comics is just called Dexter. He didn't get to the alliteration like the dearly departed Dexter and darkly dreaming Dexter. He just kept it simple. It's just Dexter. 
it was actually written by Jeff Lindsay. So when I keep saying he, I realize that was probably vague. Jeff Lindsay did write the comic as well. And it was the same illustrator through the whole series of comics. It's uh, like Delabor Telegic. Apologize if I mispronounced that, but it's fine artist. 2013, this Dexter comic series came out. There are five issues. In these comics, since Jeff Lindsay wrote them, they are true to the book's canon and not to the show's. So they are all consistent within the book world. So Dexter and Rita are together at this point in the book. And they don't look like they do in the show because they look like they do in the books. And in this first comic, um, he does have slides in his Rosewood box still. He is going to his high school reunion. Begrudgingly, he didn't want to go, but Rita saw the invitement. Invitement? The invitation <laughs> or invitement now. And she insists they go to his high school reunion. At the high school reunion, which is at Coconut Grove, he meets his former bully from high school, Steve Gonzalez. He is one that Dexter had taped to a table and had a scalpel, scalpel ready to cut the bitch up when he was caught by the janitor. And then after that, of course, the bully left him alone. But he is now a famous condo king, and he has this Hope Foundation. So he was into real estate. And he started this Hope Foundation to help out people, addic recovering addicts and homeless people, you know, and that kind of thing. He's this famous guy, and Dexter is surprised to see him. Steve, of course, acts like Mr. Cordial and dances with Rita and seems cool, but he's still got that, those cold, dead eyes. It has Deb as the sergeant. The other thing that happens in the comic is that there is the body of a bum dumped in the water where it's obvious he was killed elsewhere and put there. And the last place he was seen is Hope Foundation. So suddenly, the man who was not in Dexter's life since high school is all over the place. And it's possible he is implicated in a, a murder. So that's the first issue. And then the second one, you have your page where they recap it and then they have somebody uh jump out and yell surprise it wasn't a surprise motherfucker but you know they can't not everyone can be dokes basically we've got deb and dexter are visiting gonzalez because they they want to talk to him since this guy this guy was found dead that had last been seen in his foundation it's revealed that gonzalez has this island that he's building as a re he's building a resort and he has People who are at the Hope Foundation, like they graduate to going to this island called Mar Dorado, where at the island they worked, they're building it, and they get paid supposedly three times the minimum wage because that way they can build up savings. And then when they're, I don't know, I don't know if he, he didn't mention like a certain time period, but then when they're ready to leave the island, then they'll have money and they can start their lives. So he seems like a good Samaritan. And Deb still, Deb is actually kind of a, impressed with him even though he's kind of schmarmy she you know she thinks that he's on the up and up and I will make a note that in these comics there they have these really cool parts where Gonzalez Gonzalez's assistant DeVoe he's wearing sunglasses in the scene so there's some cool images where you can see like Deb and Dexter and the reflection of his sunglasses and that's just the the panel so I like how they played with that DeVoe happened to have once been part of the Tantan Makut, which uh, his specialty was setting fire to people in public. And I will mention the Tantan Makut later when I get to the point where I'm comparing it to the books and stuff like that. 
And it is not the fun Tauntaun in Star Wars. They've interviewed Gonzalez. They meet DeVoe. They do background on DeVoe because they get a weird... Deb gets a weird vibe from him. So that's how they find out that he was a person. Person arsonist? (laughs) He was a people burner. So they're driving, and suddenly, a guy on a motorcycle holding a Molotov cocktail throws it at their car. He's wearing a helmet with a mask so they can't see his face. They happen to get out in time. The car burns down. They're on a highway, by the way. So he's, they're driving down this busy highway. He throws this flaming bottle at them, and they live. But it's kind of a coincidence that the person who they just found out likes to set people on fire, then they're almost caught on fire. So that is how the cliffhanger for the second comic. In the third issue, Gonzalez doesn't think that DeVoe could do it. So they obviously go and they're like, what the fuck? It's pretty obvious it had to be him. We need to talk to him. And that's when Gonzalez reveals, well, DeVoe hasn't showed up today to any of his things. Dex still gets the spidey sense. Deb even starts to get kind of a spidey sense about him. And Dex goes and searches Gonzalez's place. He knows that Gonzalez is at this party. So Dex finds a hidden safe and it has files of what they call clients of the Hope Foundation, including the latest victim, the victim that they found on the beach. His name is in there, which contains Social Security, the Social Security numbers, birth certificates, bank records, and power of attorney written over to Gonzalez. So that's pretty incriminating. He thinks that he's being all swifty, but there was a hidden camera in the room that notifies Gonzalez that somebody is in his shit. He sees it, and he's like, excellent. Deb calls him and notifies him, DeVoe is dead. Bum, bum, bum. In the next issue, we find that DeVoe drives off an overpass doing 90 on his red motorcycle. And so it was him that had tried to kill them. Gonzalez said he thinks it was suicide because he probably did kill that guy and then knew that to cover his tracks he had to kill the police and then he killed himself because he isn't reformed like he wanted to be. So, okay, Deb it really is like, no, that, that doesn't f- fucking make sense. They check when they do the autopsy because, you know, that's what they do is they, they check things. <laughs> they find that there's a needle mark, but there's no drugs in his blood. So Dexter thinks it's hyperchlamydia. <laughs> Woo, let's hope that doesn't come out in 2022. Hyperkalemia, which is a, an OD of potassium, that, which apparently causes weakness, paralysis, heart failure, but then fades with almost no trace. So they think that maybe he was dosed with it before he got on the motorcycle, and then he threw the thing, and then he, you know, started to pass out and jumped off the bridge with his motorcycle. One of the things that happens that I like that is very in keeping with the Dexter flow of the books and I think even the show is while Dexter and Deb are walking, they're talking about whether it could be Gonzalez or not and what it all means. And and mid-conversation, Deb happens to notice a mugger out of the corner of her eye. She just calmly sets down her coffee, pulls out her, I don't know, nightstick thing. And it's one of those things that extend like an antenna. I don't know what that's called. She takes out one of those, like, cracks the guy in the leg, stops the mugging, and then, re- like, finishes her sentence as she's handcuffing him. Kind of a, you know, one of those things that Deb would just do. They realize that what's probably happening is that when he sends the people to the Martorado, 
that he is probably keeping their money, but then having them work. So that's how he's got all this money. He like he runs a nonprofit, but he drives it like a fucking Ferrari or something. And he doesn't necessarily have to kill them. He just ships them off to the island and they can be his slaves. But if he doesn't have to kill them, if he can just ship them off and nobody's the wiser, then why did he kill this guy? So it turns out this guy was a fed. And all of a sudden, Deb is off the case. And then Gonzalez gets Dexter. We start the last issue of the series. Dexter is taken to Martorado and put to work. They kidnap Deb and bring her there. And then, of course, they manage to get free because it's, you know, fucking Dexter and Deb. They uh, kill the slave driver guy. And it's interesting because in the scene where he's about to stab the his guy the guy's name is Octavio. He's about to stab Octavio. And in the panel, his eyes look Dexter's eyes look hollow. And it's it's a really cool image. Then we've got Gonzalez gets away, of course. But Dexter had seen records of him having a bank account in Venezuela. So he, of course, didn't share that with anyone, either of them. So Dexter knows he's in Venezuela. He goes to Venezuela and he kills Gonzalez. And that's how it ends, which is basically a Lila ending. So if you remember in the season with Lila, it builds and builds and builds. She fucking gets away. And then like the last... 30 seconds of the last episode in that season is he goes to like England and kills her. So it's just a very quick, it feels a little anticlimactic that it was like, stuff happens, stuff happens. And then he gets away. Oh, but he does kill him. So I kind of, in a way it might be nice if it would have had, I guess, more of an exciting ending, but you know, I mean, the bad guy gets it. So I guess that's what matters. Overall, I would say it's, it's good. It's enjoyable. The covers... I like, some of them don't seem like they have as much to do with what's inside, which, you know, that happens. But overall, I like the art. I like, the story is pretty good. It, it feels Dextery. I do also like that when he's referencing the Dark Passenger, the Dark Passenger is taking over. It has like these shadowy wisps of black. I do, again, I, I do feel like this was more like intrigue and less like true Dexter hunting a serial killer type thing. I mean, there was one dead guy, you know, so it was kind of like, okay, there's one dead guy and then they have to do all this work to figure out if he's, so it was interesting, but I don't think I liked it as much as I, I think the second comic is a little more interesting. Speaking of the second comic, we've got Dexter Down Under, which came out in 2014, again, written by Lindsay and illustrated by the same guy. I'll read the synopsis they have at the beginning of this. Because basically it's kind of like, if you don't know who the hell this is, here's the uh, thing. Here's the premise. Meet Dexter Morgan. By day, he's a brilliant forensic blood spatter analyst for the Miami-Dade Police Department. He has a nice house, a loving family, and a sister named Deborah, who also happens to be a sergeant for the Miami Police. By day, Dexter is a regular, upstanding citizen. But Dexter has a secret. Dexter likes to kill people. But not just anyone. Dexter keeps his urge to kill, his dark passenger, in check with a very strict code. Dexter only kills people who deserve to be killed. Bad people. People who harm others. If Dexter can prove them guilty without a doubt, he lets his dark passenger take over. And when Dexter and his dark passenger are working together, blood will be spilled. So I think that's a pretty fair assessment. This one is a little different. In this one, obviously, he goes to Australia. Now, it starts off 
with a family being smuggled in to Australia. They speak Mandarin. So they are let off of the ship and then they are found dead. And the cops that find them make comments that, oh, it looks like it's by the same bastard. There's bastard a lot in this. The cop wants to bring in a guy who wrote this book. And it turns out it's a book Dexter wrote. So they show Captain Matthews, tell Dexter he's been requested to go to Australia. In Australia, he meets Sergeant Shauna Wiggs, who, of course, is just like his sister, who is very gruff and even punches him in the same place in the arm and is very straightforward. Now, this does have a serial killer. We've got the seventh killing this year, the same MO, 19 bodies, no names, all Asian immigrants. They were, according to Dexter, they were amateur cuts. They were slashed, chopped, and stabbed in a sexual rage. They checked out known racists like the CWA, Citizens for White Australia. They interview the founder, and that's pretty much the introduction. So right off the bat, it's interesting because, you know, Dexter's in some place different, and you still have the sister-type figure, but it's very obviously, it's not his sister. And, and, um, and then you got the setup of the serial killer. Issue two, they spend most of it going back and forth talking about whether Grigsby, who was the founder of the CWA, could be the killer. And so there's a lot of that. And then Dexter thinks that he'll do it again. The Ashana says she doesn't think so because if they just interviewed him and it's him, he would be stupid to go right out in the open and try something. Well, then the next day there's another incident. There's more bodies that are cut into pieces. Dexter was correct. Issue three, they realize so Grigsby has a lot of properties and every murder occurred near one of the properties. When Dexter does his deep dive, he finds out that Grigsby Grigsby owns a site where you can shoot endangered species with a robot rifle. Kind of like a, there's like a drone and, and you can like, it's that kind of thing. If you get a special password, you can hunt Asians. He apparently, Grigsby owns a sheep station ranch. A sheep station, which is a ranch out in the middle of nowhere. And that is apparently where this nefarious activity is occurring. Shauna keeps hitting on Dex, and Dex doesn't understand because he's Dexter. Finally, she kisses him, and he's like, what the who? And then they find, of course, they go to research to look at this sheep station to see what's happening. And they find people in the cages. The sheep are people. Then they are both shot by Grigsby. So the cliffhanger of issue three is it looks like they were both shot. And it is Grigsby. So we know without a doubt it is Grigsby. And what happened to our heroes? Issue four. They wake up in the outback in their underpants. They apparently have been shot with tranquilizers. That robot gun thing is coming towards them with the drone. So they have become the hunted. A side note. What is kind of crazy about this. It is the great magnet or synchronicity. Because as I was taking notes while I was reading over the comics and taking notes. I had riff tracks on because that's what I do. And uh, not all the time, but Rift Tracks is frequently on. So I had Rift Tracks on, and it was the most dangerous game, which is, if you don't know, it's based on the short story from like 1920, where these people end up on an island, and it turns out he likes to hunt people. It was interesting that I happened to be watching a movie, and I just chose it because I hadn't seen it yet. So I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. I don't think I've seen it. I'll just put that on, because I hadn't gotten to that part in the comic yet. I didn't know that they were hunting humans. 
So it's interesting that I happen to be watching something about hunting humans and then read a comic at the same time about hunting humans. And I don't think it's that prevalent in things. <laughs> Maybe it is. I mean, they did do an episode of uh, It's Always Sunny where they hunt cricket, which is one of my favorites, by the way. Dexter and Shauna wind up being able to evade him and he's getting pissed off. So what he does is he takes one of his caged people and says, I will let your family go if you go out and kill them. So he sends this poor person out there to fight them. And, you know, they don't know. They just know this dude's coming after him with a big old fucking knife. And so Dexter kills him. And Sean is kind of like, oh, I don't know that you necessarily needed to do that. Like you could have just disarmed him or knocked him out. But you did that. Okay, whatever. And he's like, oh, uh, you know, it was an accident. And she's like, okay, I don't, I don't give a fuck. Let's just, let's just try to live. How about that? We can deal with that shit later. So then they realize they're going to have to come up with a plan if they want to live. And then you see from the drone, Dexter passes out. Dexter looks like he swooned. I don't know. Like he looks like he died, basically. And she keeps running. And that's how it ends. The uh, fourth issue ends is, did Dexter really pass out? Is he playing possum? What's going on? Then we've got the last issue and it turns out Dexter's playing dead. Grigsby goes after Shauna, has her cornered, he's about to shoot her when Dexter shows up and he shoots Grigsby in the leg. Grigsby happens to cut Shauna's ankle so Dexter cuts off his hand because he watched Star Wars a lot as a kid. I, I don't know. Um, Star Wars just really likes to cut off hands. And then he knocks Grigsby out. Well they get to talking like you know we're trespassing on this guy's property and even though all this shit's happened, we're not here legally, so I don't know if there's really much we could do. Plus, Dexter basically just, like, killed a person and cut off a dude's hand. And so they just are like, eh, you know what, why don't we cut our losses? Let's just free the, free the people and burn down the barn with him in it. They burn down the barn with him in it, and uh, there's that. <laughs> well, then, Shauna makes it perfectly clear. Dude, I want Dexter's D. So she says, for two weeks. She specifically says... You owe me two weeks. So basically they fuck for two weeks straight, apparently. And she's okay with his secret. So she doesn't give a shit what he did. And, you know, that's cool. So then he ends up going home and I don't know. There's no mention of Rita. So that's kind of interesting. I'm assuming there's no mention of Rita because in the books, I want to remind you, in the books, he is way more disconnected than in the show. So in the books, if you remember, there's a book where he was literally going to leave Rita and for this star. And he's like, I don't know. I won't miss the kids. I don't give a fuck. Like, I don't know. This seems like this will be better. And then when he's cut in, in prison and, you know, Rita's dead and Deb's trying to get custody of the kids, he's like, okay. And she's like, you're not going to, you're not going to fight at all. He's like, I don't know, whatever. I mean, later he eventually realizes, well, maybe there is something that I feel for them or there's some kind of connection there. So I'm not as distant, but he is way more distant in the books. So I can see why it, it tracks in the comics that he might not even consider Rita because, you know, he's not worried about keeping his vows because he doesn't really care. You know, he's just kind of in it to do whatever. This one, I feel was a little more in line with what we're used to seeing with Dexter because you have your serial killer. The thing that got me, though, I might have to look into this because <laughs> they build up, they build up that these people have been slaughtered in public and left to be caught. So they're left to be found, right? 
and they're left to be found near this dude's properties. The same dude has a fucking ranch out in the middle of goddamn nowhere where he can go hunt people to his heart's content. So on his hunting property, he likes to go shoot people. But the killer at the beginning, they have him chopping people up like he's sexually aggravated. I don't understand how that's the same person. I don't understand how that tracks. I don't personally think that that flows at all. Why would he risk getting caught when he has, I don't know, it feels like it's two completely different MOs. Like, I don't know that there are many serial killers where you see they have such completely different methods. I mean, I don't know. I'm probably overthinking it. Big surprise. But to me, I don't think that that, I think it's interesting that it end up, ended up that he was hunting people and that Dexter got hunted. But I just don't think that that adds up together. I don't, I don't think that's the same kind of MO. And I feel like unless I missed something somehow that it wound up being two people, I mean, a dude affiliated with him. I don't know. It just seems like that's uh, I felt like that was kind of a hole in it. But it was good. It was fine. It's still Dexter. It's, it's a little weirder to have Dexter in such small doses. But he still gets his Dexter things in, his snide comments and, and wry wit and things. So that was still fun. I would say find them, but some of them are easier to find than others. So if you're super into Dexter, of course look for them. It's a thing where, like, I found some at mycomicshop.com. That's the place that I first go to. I also found, I think, Midtown Comics. It looks like I got one off their site. I found, the reason I even found these is I just happened to find... Dexter down under at Bell Book and Comic. So I didn't know that they existed. So that was kind of exciting. Well, it looks like I got most of them at my comic shop. But there is a few that I was having trouble finding. And I think I eventually found like on Etsy. And so most of them were a decent price. But I might have paid a, a higher price for a couple of them. Just because I had to collect the series. And it was, it was really hard to find number five of the first Dexter run of comics. So I don't know. Uh, check it out if you want. I think they are fun to look at. They're fun just to see how everything fits. Now to compare them to the... I don't think it's fair to compare them to the series necessarily because they weren't written with the series and the series, you know, the series wasn't paying attention to shit. I mean, they were written when season eight was released and then after. So I don't, you know, they're completely... They would completely go with the books. As far as the books, as it's staying consistent in its own world, they do have... Well, you know, I will take that back. In, in the first run of the comics, he has his high school reunion. And they do have him going to a high school reunion in the series. In season six, he goes to his high school reunion to kill the former prom king because he had killed his wife, who had been friendly to Dexter in high school. Now, in the book, his bully was called Steve Gonzalez. In the show, the bully and this jerk guy that killed his wife is named Joe Walker. So there's not really much connected there. Now, as far as the book, he is consistent. In book three, he references Steve Gonzalez was Dexter's bully. And in the comic, you can see his bully's name is still Steve Gonzalez. So he was consistent with that. The Tonton Makut thing, there is a reference in the show to the Tonton Makut there's a guy that Doke sees this guy randomly like walking on a bridge and he jumps out and he winds up shooting him. And Angel's like, what the fuck just happened? And it turns out that Dokes had recognized him as a Tonton Makut that used to do terrible things to people. So there is um, a reference in the show to it. So it is it is present. And it obviously it is mentioned several times 
within the it's mentioned in the book in the comic as for human hunting it is interesting because and and i haven't seen anything i haven't looked this up specifically but it did occur to me that the comic came out in 2015 and new blood just came out there's human hunting in dexter down under now i don't think it's related because like i've talked about in the last episode is in new blood it's obviously modeled after robert hansen the serial killer and i think it's probably just a coincidence but it is still kind of interesting. So that's pretty much the comics. Not a lot to them. It's like I said, it's not quite as exciting as like reading a book about Dexter, but it's fun to see it in a different format. And like I said, I enjoyed the way that they played with the art style. They even had one where the whole page was like one picture, but it was cut into panels. And you know, that might be common. I've, you know, sure I've seen that in other comics, but it's still interesting to see the different artistic styles and, and how they handled Dexter. So I don't know. I liked it. And I guess it's nice to have a, a little bit of Dexter and, and not have a lot of time for it. You know, you just have a nice little just look at a comic of Dexter and be done in a few minutes. All right. <laughs> I, will, I will say I am all fucked up about the last episode. I, uh, I'll admit. Okay, you know what? Let me jump into because I still have to cover episodes 8, 9 before I get to 10. So where we last left it. Kurt had befriended Harrison because Harrison was going to leave town and Kurt gets him to stay. Well, in episode eight, Kurt has Harrison come over for dinner. He, you know, makes this big show of taking him out and playing ball with him and shit like that. There is a really fucked up scene where he just lets Harrison keep getting hit by the ball and Harrison lets it happen. So it's, I don't know, I think it was really good at showing that tension and showing that, um, yeah, it was, uh, it's a, it's a really revealing scene well then he cooks dinner for Harrison and then he is going to shoot he's going to hunt Harrison and poor Harrison is like what the fuck is happening (laughs) because he doesn't know that his dad killed Kurt's son now I had questioned in the last episode if they were going to set up a Luke Skywalker I said specifically whether he is going to go to the dark side with Kurt. Maybe Kurt would try to take him under his wing and apprentice him or something. I don't know. Or what was going to happen. As soon as uh, he tells him to run, I was like, well, okay, yeah, I guess that's that's pretty obvious that it makes more sense that he would kill him <laughs> as revenge because his son got killed. So that makes sense. And uh, And then, of course, Dexter comes and saves Harrison from Kurt. And Kurt gets away. And then he... Dexter divulges his own dark passenger, and I just did the alliteration. Dark passenger divulging Dexter. So he tells Harrison, look, I have the same demon that you do. I have the same baggage that you do. I understand. And then there's this emotional embrace and the moment that Harrison has wanted this whole time he finally gets. Episode 9, they find Kurt's bodies of all these women that he has killed over all these years, including Molly, the podcaster. Well, that's, that's definitely proof. And Dexter has told him about the code. So he's like, you know, and, and of course, um, Harrison sees it kind of like Batman and Robin. You know, he's like, we are, we're going to stop the bad guys. In the meantime, Kurt decides he's going to burn their fucking house down because he expects them to come running out and he's going to shoot them. Well, when they're not running out screaming, he's like, what the fuck? And then his phone dings and he sees that his bunker has been breached and there's Harrison looking right at the camera. So he's like, son of a bitch, I gotta go. I gotta get the fuck out of here. So of course they get him at his house and they take him down to his bunker and Dexter kills him in front of Harrison, which is another big moment. 
and it's obviously overwhelming for Harrison, but I say he handles it, he handles it pretty fucking well. Then they head home and find that it's been burnt down, and we see that Angela finds something in her mailbox, which is screws, those titanium screws that are used to, you know, put people together. So when they have surgery, they use these screws. So there's in her mailbox with a letter that said, Jim Lindsay killed Matt Caldwell, I believe is the kid's name. Basically, he pulls a trinity. So Dexter has another situation where he thinks he takes care of the problem and then goes home to discover that very same person has fucked him over. In this case, not only did he burn down the house, but he left incriminating evidence with his girlfriend, the chief of police. So that's exciting and fun. So how will Dexter get out of this? Well, now we get to the last episode. And I'm kind of just doing like, I've basically been doing highlights through this whole thing. But this one, this one, it does feel slightly deus ex machina that Batista happens to have appeared. I still don't know, like, because the whole idea is you have to have things that move the story forward. So even if they seem somewhat implausible... I don't know. I think it's okay. I think it's it's fine. It it does make it more adds those layers and and it's really I guess it's not that far out of the realm of possibility that she could have met him that way. Basically, Angela starts putting these connecting these dots. She contacts Batista and sends him a picture of Dexter that was taken last month, and of course, Angel shits himself and realizes he may have killed Laguerta. He's like, "I'm going to be on the next fucking whatever camel maybe he rode a tauntaun we don't know he was gonna get there however he needed to get there i don't know why i said camel a tauntaun would actually work better because he's going to alaska right anyway so she arrests dexter because she's got that well she also found the another titanium screw that matches the others in his burnt down house or in the ashes of his whatever so she finds that so she arrests him and she's not having any of it until Dexter's like, hey, you know all those women that you've been looking for? I know where they are. So sh- she runs to look at that, and he kills Coach Logan, who's watching him in the cell because he fights him. So then he flees to Harrison, and Harrison realizes you got blood on you, and then he connects the dots. You called me from Logan's phone. Did you kill Logan? And he's like, well, I had to. And then it did become a fucking Star Wars moment when Kylo Ren had to kill Han Solo to go to the dark side. Now, I will say the difference, of course, is that Harrison had to kill Dexter to actually go to the light side, to let go of things and try to make things right with his life, no matter what that entails. But that is very specifically what I thought is, what the fuck? (laughs) I mean... When it happened in Star Wars, I saw it coming. Like, I knew that that was going to... I didn't necessarily know that was going to happen with this. I was kind of leaving it open in my brain to just absorb whatever they did. I'm not surprised that they killed him, but it's... You just never know what's going to happen. Of course, he... Dexter's like, you're right. Put me down, basically. And so he does. And then Angela pulls up and sees what happened. And she... Let's Harrison go. So there's a few things there. Um, Now, I admit, I fucking cried. As soon as the credits started, 
I was like, am I? How is it just kind of like sunk in? And I just started fucking crying. And Todd had, had to hold me while I was crying, just like he had to hold me when I was crying when Han Solo died. Yeah, it's, it's fun to be an adult that uh, cries over fictional characters that die. But that's just the power of the storytelling. That's just the, uh, how much these characters get, un- get to you when you've been around them for a while. One of the things that's interesting about Harrison specifically shooting him, and as I use the phrase, put him down, is that in the show, the reason LaGuerta died is because she says to Deborah, basically, you have a choice, shoot Dexter, shoot me, put him down. Like, he's, he's a, a rabid dog that needs to be disposed of. So Deb could have shot him then and ended things, and more people would have been alive, but she shot LaGuerta. So in this case, Harrison had that same choice of whether he could shoot Dexter or not, and he shot Dexter. So that was compelling there that they made that, that there was that connection. I do think that season eight, season seven and eight were trying to build this, but they just failed. And this season is the, I mean, I maybe had little moments where I kind of felt like, eh, maybe... Maybe Dexter should calm the fuck down a little. Or maybe Dexter should handle things a little differently. But I was always wound up being like, but I want Dexter to live. I want Dexter to be okay. In this one, I admit about the time like when he killed Coach Logan and, and, well, and even when, when Angela realized that Dexter was lying to her, that he may be the Bay Harbor Butcher, I started to kind of think, well, you know, and the, and the way it was starting to mess with Harrison because cause now Harrison, it seems like it's all exciting that maybe they could be this father-son killing team, there will be repercussions. And how, at first, there is that, the glamour of it. But then you start thinking, I don't know, is this going to fuck things up for Harrison? Is this going to, you know, and you start seeing Dexter's justification and Harrison's naivety. I really, by the time he was about to kill the uh, Logan, I admit, I was like, okay, um, I love you, Dexter, but what the fuck? Maybe, maybe have gone a little too far. Like, maybe you need to rethink some things. And it felt organic. It felt natural. I understood why maybe now Dexter had gone too far. And I thought, maybe Dexter should be caught. I mean, I didn't, I don't like the thought that maybe he would be in prison and he'd get the death penalty. But maybe there should be some kind of repercussion. And maybe this is bigger than our affection for him merits. I think that by the time it got to the point that... Harrison was aiming the gun at him, and he's like, who, who all has died because of you? And then you see that moment, and I'm, I'm, I admit, I'm getting kind of chills, where he realizes all the people that died because of him and all the, all, you know, the choices that he made that maybe he didn't make because he was being, it was more about covering his ass. It was more about the first rule than it was about killing the bad guys. And he realized he he did. He had strayed off the path or he his way wasn't the best way. His way was not a good way. And and to see Harrison, how he to see how badly he needed his needed Dexter and that connection and that it just wasn't going to work. And it was a time where I mean, we even (laughs) we all know I hate Hannah so, so very fucking much. Where even, and I admit, like, normally, when I hear a name, I'm kind of like, Blue Hannah, oh, yeah, she was your mom. Okay, that stupid bitch. I don't know. So, yeah. And I understand that in that context, apparently she was good to Harrison. So, okay, I can, whatever. 
so when it got to that point and he was talking about his Hannah being his mom, it didn't feel like the Hannah from the thing. I could see her in the context of Harrison and his life and not just the context of the show and me hating her. So it felt right. It felt like everything they tried to do in the last two seasons, they were able to do in this season. And I'm so fucking glad they did it. It sucked to see Dexter die, but it was right. And just like I get why in Star Wars, Han Solo had to die. Don't love him dying, but I understood what I had had to happen. And this seems... I'm going to go on a little Star Wars tangent for a second. Bear with me because it's related. But the primary problem is what happens is people come in and write part of it. And then you have people that write the other part of it. So sometimes the message and the motivations and the charisma, I don't know, like the storytelling changes and it loses itself because you don't have that same vision. Now, granted, you can have the person with the same vision that ends up cocking it up, too. But... In this case, we have Star Wars, the the newer ones, where you have somebody who did the first one, and it sucked. I didn't like it because it was basically just, hey, this is basically the, this, the other ones, and look, we have all the same people. You know, I love the first ones. I love the original ones with, you know, Han and Leia and Luke. It feels like it's time for there to be more to Star Wars than them. So I was like, meh, you know, whatever, it's okay. I love the second one because the second one was about let's move forward. The story's not going to be about these three people who are getting old and it's about what's going to happen next. Who's going to carry it on? What's what's more to the story? We don't need to have the same people. Maybe their time in the story is over and we need to not hold on to what we had before. We need to reach out and do something original. So I liked that I got why Han Solo died. I get why Luke would have had to die. I get why Leia would have had to die. I assumed they were just going to kill everybody off. It's really fucking sad that Leia, that Carrie Fisher died in real life while they were filming. But I think that it's right for those characters to go away. You know, I think it's right for their arc to end. So that way it can feed into a new arc and then we can have some new things happening. And it just proves that if you can't do that, that means you've built a shitty universe. That you've just built characters that are interesting and not done well at the world building. But the fact that they were able to have Ray in there, that did make it more interesting. So they did have, and that's why the third one pissed me off so much, is because they have the future. They have Ray. They have, they have the things to set up where they can get rid of the past and just move towards the future. But instead, you have the director that came back and fucked it all up. You have a director that didn't like what happened in the second one, so they basically just wrote around it. They just ignored it, especially in a time where they want to have, like, feminism. They want to have show women empowered. They had Rey call on all of the old Jedis. So they had Rey literally, like, just call everybody else to save things, you know? It was just, it was gross. And I don't like, I didn't like that they, they handled it that way. And I liked when Rey's parents weren't anybody. I think that that made more sense than to have her, you know. So so basically, it's the same kind of thing that happened with Dexter, is you have the writer, Clyde Phillips, was involved seasons one through four, which were solid seasons. Well, then he leaves, and then you know the catastrophe that happens when he leaves. Well, he comes back for this one. And I think that that is the key, and that is pivotal, is when you have that person who gets it. And even after you have a fiasco... If you can wrap it up and and still make it engaging and interesting and make it what it should have been, 
that's fucking fantastic. And I did look up an interview with him. He, you know, they said, he said going into it that he pretty much knew Dexter had to die. And that when he talked to Michael C. Hall about it, Michael C. Hall's like, I understand. Like, it makes, like, it makes sense. It's, it's organic. It just, it made sense the way that they did it. And this is how the series should have ended. I'm so fucking glad that we weren't just left with season eight. <laughs> of course, now I have the problem where it might be hard for me to watch season 10 again because, or the new blood again, because I know he's going to die at the end. I'm going to cry. I still really can't watch that movie with Han Solo dying. I still cry when I see him get put in fucking carbonite. And how many times have I watched that goddamn movie? <laughs> I'm just ridiculous, I guess, is, is that, is the moral of that. What I was thinking is, if they wanted to do more, what could they do? Because it's still, Dexter is still compelling. And honestly, my first thought was, even if they don't have Dexter, they have Harrison. And I think Harrison is compelling enough that I would like to see him in more things. I think he could carry some, could carry something. And I think he would make it intriguing. And if they had the right writers, obviously, then I, I would watch a spinoff with Harrison in it. And now he does mention that he would be into doing, Clyde Phillips mentions he would be into doing a sp spinoff where it would follow Harrison and what Harrison would do. Now, there's nothing official yet or anything. And then, of course, I thought, well, they could always do the thing where Dexter appears to Harrison the way that Harry appeared to him. So if they wanted to, they could always do that spin so that way Dexter could still be involved and you would still have that dynamic. But it would be Harrison doing his own doing his thing so I don't know I think either way it would be interesting I would love to see more of Michael C. Hall and Dexter because obviously I love him but I don't know it's is again though is as I've finished saying I think it's okay you need to kill off the old characters you need to get rid of the old characters and saying that I wouldn't mind him being involved is again if they can do it in a way that's cohesive I wouldn't mind seeing more of Dexter but I understand why it, it might be Dexter's time to move to be dead and why it would be fine for Harrison. Because, again, if you build it correctly, you can have something spin off in that same world without the same person or people, you know, without the original people. And that's how you know that you've got a good foundation. I'm intrigued to see what happens and if there is a spin off or what happens next. I, I am really sad that Dexter died. <laughs> And it's weird how um, deeply it affects me. I'm actually getting a little teared up right now. But I guess it's just, you know, you get invested emotionally because obviously I'm a passionate person. And I get excited and emotional about things. So, I mean, I've literally been paying attention to this since 2004 because I started it like as soon as it came out. And I've rewatched seasons like three times. Obviously, I've read the books. I've read some of the books twice. And so I'm obviously in deep with Dexter. It's weird, but I like it. I think that it was the right way to do things. It's hard. It's the hard way to do things, but sometimes that's how you know that it's right. It's things like where Game of Thrones, it just makes it really fucking frustrating. Maybe, maybe they can get a second chance. <laughs> maybe they can figure out a way to, to not, to fix that ending. I don't, I don't know. But, but so when you see it just go off the rails, it makes it that much better and it makes you appreciate it more when you see something that's done well and has led to the right resolution. I will end up watching again. I already want to rewatch season. Well, I don't want to call it season nine because they technically consider it its own thing in the timeline. It was a decade after. So they consider it its own thing. I, I do want to watch New Blood again. Todd hasn't watched it yet. So I'm going to make Todd watch it. 
I think my buddy Travis hasn't watched it yet. I'm just going to make everybody watch it. And uh, even if I'm like on Zoom with them and I'll just watch it with them, I'll just have to turn off the last episode or just warn everybody uh, that I'm just going to cry a lot. So, you know, they won't be surprised. They know me. I hope you enjoyed Dexter as well. And I hope you liked the ending. If you didn't, then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I understand that it kind of sucks to have him die. And maybe it feels like bullshit, but I think that it that is the right conclusion, personally. I don't know. Now I'm spent. And I've bummed myself out. So stay tuned. We have... Igor and I are probably going to do an episode together for the next one. And then we will have more Crime Keeper episodes. Obviously, some more Murder Lab episodes. we got all kinds of things in store. Um, COVID's gotten stupid again. But eventually, I would like to have something where we can... I will have an event that we can all be together and do things. So eventually that will happen. <laughs> but stay tuned. I'm hoping to have some more fun things come out and keep an eye out on all the shits and do the things. Thank you as always. We appreciate you and we love you. And thank you for entering the lab. If you enjoy the experience and experiments of Murder Lab, go to Facebook, Instagram, and MurderLabMedia.com for updates. Share with your friends, those you created in a lab or not, as long as they can subscribe and listen, we'll take it. Murder Lab is available on Google Play and iTunes. The RSS feed is on MurderLabMedia.com for you to plug into your podcast app. We can always use more lab rats. Who said hyperchlamydia? Woo! Let's hope that doesn't come out in 2022.